Hi, everyone. My name is Phoebe Kim. I'm a senior manager for the multi-cloud solutions architecture team at VMware. Um, I'm based out of Dallas uh, in the United States, of course. Um, you'll see my dog walk around in the background. His name's Toby. He might come and say hi. Um, so I guess a little bit about like what I do. So currently I lead a team of multi-cloud solutions architects in the America region for VMware. Um, so I guess from a day-to-day -day perspective, it's a lot of, it, it consists of one-on-ones with my like direct reports to make sure, you know, they're, they're happy on the team, they're doing what they want to do, and that, um, you know, I'm helping them in their career progression, as well as if they have any blockers in their current engagements, kind of helping remove those blockers for them. Um, I also have a lot of interlocks with different sales leaders within the organization to make sure that our team is aligned with everyone and um, we can collaborate in opportunities as they come along. So that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day -day as a senior manager. Um, and so anything, I guess, in some of the management questions, you could definitely um, ask me. But actually, um, because Angie was unable to join, I could answer any of the solutions architect question as well, because that's what I used to be literally four months ago before I transitioned into being a manager. Um, and actually, in place of Angie, Marjorie is here and Marjorie is my manager. Um, so actually, any management questions actually could probably go to Marjorie. So Marjorie, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> it, it, and it's funny how this all worked out. I was just wishing them a, a, a great event. And, and Phoebe's like, hey, can you join us the panels? I'm like, well, I have the time blocked off. So yes, we can make this work. But um, glad to be here. And thank you for the invitation, Phoebe. Always love these types of events where we can teach folks a little bit more about the different types of careers that exist within tech. I think that's extremely important that we broaden the view of what exists. Um, so as Phoebe mentioned, my name is Marjorie Abdelkrim. I lead um, the multi-cloud architecture and strategist here at VMware, and we're a global organization. We work with customers on a daily basis. We help customers understand the multi-cloud um, space and, and how they can leverage our technologies along with other cloud technologies for their digital transformation, and more from an infrastructure and application perspective, less from a dev standpoint. Um, I'm, I'm part of the leadership team, as Phoebe mentioned. I've been in a leadership role um, probably for like 15 years. It's been, it's been a long time. So definitely feel free to send any of the leadership and management questions my way, but um, here to also encourage folks on you know, the different career paths that exist and then hope to be able to answer any questions. Awesome. Thanks again, Marjorie, for joining. I know it's last minute. And our third panelist we have today is Boyan. So Boyan, would you like to introduce yourself, uh, yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Hi, uh, my name is Boyan. I'm a product manager uh, working in the modern apps um, division in VMware. Um, I started my career as an engineer and uh, I was always very much interested in um, what product uh, development would be more appealing for the customers and how I can make uh, you know products that customers would love, and I got more and more interested in uh, chatting with more customers, understanding their needs, and eventually interfacing them. And learned about the role of product manager, uh, representing the customer's voice, and I uh, was able to make the transition from an engineer to a product manager. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an amazing journey, and. Um, I have to say, I really uh, enjoy uh, chatting with customers, but also 
as a former engineer, uh, it's been really helpful to kind of have that kind of experience and background and uh, representing uh, both teams as well. Nice to meet you, Alex. Awesome. Um, so I guess just to break some ice, obviously like this is, it's a panel, this is an open Q&A for anyone to participate. Uh, if you'd like to come off mute, just let us know, or you could just put the questions in the in the chat as well, and we'll answer them as we go. Um, to, I guess, kick things off, um, we had a couple of questions that we kind of thought of that maybe might be interesting um, to open, open the conversation. So um, one thing is, one, at least one question that I get a lot from people is, hey, if I'm a developer or if I'm a solution architect or if I'm in sales, like how do I change my career to maybe, or transition into something that's different, right? So um, I guess maybe Boyan, like you can maybe start with that question. Like how did you get into your role um, from being an engineer and how was that transition for you? Sure. Um... So I joined uh, as an engineer working on um, uh, a control panel for a database. Um, it was one of the database companies based in Boston, uh, had been acquired by a bigger company. And um, the company really allowed you to explore many different sort of roles of responsibilities. Um, so even as an engineer, it was very much encouraged to talk to the field folks, you know, working on sales engineering or post-sales and um, you know, you were encouraged to join customer meetings to understand better of what the customers are looking for in a product. And so um, I was able to kind of extend my roles or responsibilities or join some of those meetings to better understand, uh, you know, the product that I'm building would be more beneficial for the customers. And just the more and more exposure I had there and understanding that, you know, whichever work that I would take on and being able to build for the customers would also impact how the field can talk about the product and shape the direction of the product. And it really helped me understand um, how much impact I can bring overall. And I think that really sort of motivated me, um, you know, as an engineer, you're not just uh, building one part of the product that you're, you're focused on. You're actually bringing a ton of impact, not just for the customers, but for your internal teams as well. And also, kind of in, uh, you know, encourage that kind of internal knowledge uh, flow as well. As an engineer, you might have more information about how the product should work or how you're thinking about it, representing the database control panel, as opposed to the field team might have more information about here's what customers would find more useful, et cetera, et cetera. And so I really enjoy that kind of collaborative um, interaction. And I think that, that that was one of the other things that, um, you know, really helped me understand and encouraged me to kind of go out of some of the, you know, day-to-day -day responsibilities and building software that was robust and scalable and performant. Um, and I think that, you know, I just kind of continued to seek out of um, sort of like the day-to-day -day responsibilities or expectations and um, continue to have that conversation. And eventually learned that uh, the, the position that I might be maybe perhaps more interested in is product management and started to talk to some of the internal product managers and understood from their perspective what their responsibilities were and um, trying to shadow them and things like that. And so um, these were just some of the ways that I got to learn about the role that I didn't particularly know that that was what it was called or what I was interested in knowing a little bit more. Awesome. 
And I guess I'll pass the same question to Marjorie. Like, how did you get into a leadership role and how was that transition for you? You're asking me to dig into the bowels of old memory. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so my first leadership role, it was actually one where, um, you know, someone saw some potential and kind of said, hey, you should, you should consider going into leadership. And, you know, when I, when folks ask this question on, you know, how do they transition into a leadership function and what are some of the things that they should be doing, you know, the, the advice that I give folks is, make your desires of your career progression very well known, right? Your leadership, while they're there to help you, they're not psychics and they're not going to know what you want to do next. So unless you're very clear about what you want your next steps to be, don't expect them to come to you and say, hey, you should consider this next step. That, that, that's more the fluke and the rarity than the consistent approach of, of how folks progress in their career. Um, so one, make sure that people know what your career desires are. Two, once you've defined that you want to go into leadership, start, you know, looking at what are some of the internal classes that you might have at your company that exist for aspiring leaders and ask your manager, can I be put in those classes? I'd love to learn a little bit more about leadership transition. And then even ask to shadow your manager on management calls, right? So one of the things that, you know, I like to do is invite, um, aspiring leaders or potential leaders that we see in our organization to be a part of my staff calls. So Phoebe's part of, you know, my leadership team. We have other individuals that are part of our um, SA staff and they, they join our calls as well to help, you know, give us more of a real view of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis versus what, you know, Phoebe and I might be exposed to. Um, so that's another thing. Ask them, hey, can I sit in on some of your non-confidential calls? I'd love to listen to hear how the management team is thinking about things and how y'all are strategizing. And I'd love to contribute my ideas. And then I think once you, you do make that transition for me personally was, you know, asking a lot of questions. I think, you know, many of us are put into management roles without the right tools, right? Someone agrees that you have the potential and they um, believe that you, you can do it, but there's no training. Sometimes they just throw you into it. Phoebe can speak to that as well, right? We were into a leadership role, but it's, you know, it's asking a lot of questions and never feeling like there's a question that's dumb to ask. I think every question is a valid one, especially as you're learning and spend time, not just with your direct manager, but also your peers, learning from them, understanding from them what they do, how they manage um, and how they, you know, they grow their teams. And, and I think as a manager, that's one of the biggest skills is listening so you being able to ask questions and listening to what your team has to say is going to be the biggest part for an individual that's transitioning into a management role. Awesome. Um, like, I, I definitely have to, like, I definitely agree on the fact that sometimes you just get put into a role and then you're like, okay, I don't know really where to go. So I think, yeah, internal internally, there's a lot of trainings available too, but externally as well. So actually... Um, John, he's also on our leadership team, and he recommended that I take some like leadership certificate or classes through like eCornell, for example. So um, like VMware sponsored some of these classes, and I got I got a chance to take those. So it's not just like internally that you can develop you know some of these skills and learn how to be a leader or what it means to be a manager. You could also look um, look outside and. I, I love what you first said that like letting other people know what you want to do or where you want to go. I think it's really important because actually I sort of stumbled onto my role. So the, the story is 
I was on the, I was on a team at VMware um, doing tech marketing um, for VMware Cloud. And then I was looking for a different challenge, different opportunity. And I was talking to John and Marjorie really about like, hey, like maybe I want to jo join your team and become a multi-cloud architect. Because, um, you know, I was just in that technical architect role for a while and I was comfortable with that. Um, but John asked me like, hey, so what do you want to do, let's say in two, three years from now? And then I'm like, well, I think I will probably want to try out some kind of leadership position, um, maybe help people as a people manager, see how that goes for me, right? And then he's like, well, I kind of need one now. Let me talk to Marjorie and see what she thinks. And then she was like, okay, cool. So it, it just kind of the, the opportunity came along because I mentioned that that's maybe what I'm interested in. So definitely letting, you know, people around you know what you want to do and where you want to go. And then, you know, they kind of keep your name in mind when those kind of opportunities come along versus if you don't tell anybody, how are they supposed to know, right? So like, that's sort of how I came into my role. So I think definitely, Marjorie, that's a good point. Just letting people know what you like to do. Um, so I guess one thing, though, I, I didn't cover in the beginning is like, how how do you how do you define your role and how do you measure success and i think that's different per different roles and i think that's one thing that like you don't really think about until you get into the role so i thought it might be interesting to you know talk about it as people are considering different um, positions right that are outside of let's say just pure software development so I guess I'll just start again with Boyan and like we'll go around in circles. So Boyan, if you could tell us more about, hey, what do you do on a daily basis as a product manager and how do you measure success in your role? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, there's honestly many different ways, I think, to measure success uh, depending on where you're in your career and which organization that you're working with. Um, I know that some organizations might have more emphasis around um, you know, uh, the user experience that the customers uh, are interfacing, or perhaps uh, some of the companies are um, deeply focused on making sure that the internal teams are incredibly happy, and then it returns um, to, or it produces more outcome that uh, customers will eventually be happier about and things like that. But personally, I, you know, uh, as a person who interfaces both customers and internal teams, uh, and also, Internal teams not just focused on the product and engineering, uh, research and development, but also marketing and sales uh, for enablement. I think that it's really important to be able to understand all the different perspectives that everyone is bringing to the table and um, try and figure out what would make the most sense uh, and add the most value for the customers. And so from product uh, sort of development perspective, we have OKRs typically that measures um, success for you know, product launch or any kind of milestones that the internal teams would be very much focused on. Um, and also uh, from customer perspective, we have different various ways of, um, thank you, <laughs> uh, uh, the various ways of measuring uh, sort of happiness or uh, satisfaction level from customer view. It could be like an NPS score that, you know, typically you, when you go on any kind of SaaS product, you would, asked like how you know on a scale of one to ten you know would you recommend this product for your colleagues or other folks um, but also there's many different ways of measuring success for specific features that you're working on so suppose you know you're working on a website 
and you introduce this new feature, how well is it being adopted by customers? And there's many different ways of uh, measuring success depending on what you're really focused on during that time, whether it be feature development or internal team uh, success and happiness, uh, customer success and things like that. And I think that a lot of the times it's more art than science. Uh, you really kind of have to be aware of um, various different perspectives and how different teams feel about it, including obviously your customers. But I think, you know, as a product manager, your one of your primary role is to represent the voice of a customer. And so if you're building a feature or product that, you know, you truly believe that it would represent the customer voice, um, you know, you as, an, as a person who is, um, you know, owning the success of the product would often be asked, oh, well, the engineering team feels that it would take us X amount of time to build this and we might not be able to meet this timeline. You have to kind of constantly be really creative about the solutions that you know will make the customers happy and be able to match some of the timelines that, you know, especially working with larger clients, they might have internal deadlines and timelines that you also have to be aware of as well. And so um, I think that kind of keeping all of that in mind and you know, also letting the internal team uh, to, to understand and know more about some of the inner workings of customers' timelines and some of what the field team is saying and kind of always being in that in the middle uh, and communicating that fluidly just because not everyone has that same perspective as you do. Um, it's kind of how I would like to measure success for myself as a product manager, but also understanding that you know, the more uh, transparent you are, the more you communicate, the more perspectives that you can share and let other folks understand in terms of what would ultimately make the customers happy. Because everyone, I think, has the, um, you know, the same goal in terms of making a product that customers love. And so, uh, you know, that's sort of how I like to view, you know, not in necessarily the way that measuring success has to be one way or the other, but it can come in many different forms. Awesome. Thanks, Boyan. I know like what I remember when I like first heard the word product manager, I wasn't sure like what they do or, you know, what their role is or how they define, you know, your success. So I think it's really, it's really great that you joined us today. I guess, Marjorie, I'll pass it off to you to kind of talk about, you know, what it means in leadership um, or in a management position. Yeah. So, you know, similar to what Boyan was saying around OKRs and, and defining that, that's kind of the business side of it, right? Making sure that we as, as a leadership team, identify key results that are important to the success of the organization, how we continue to impact, and for us, right, it's customers, right? So how we continue to impact our customers and drive the appropriate outcome. So for our team, you know, those key results that we tend to focus on are on customer activities, um, innovation, which revolves around, you know, IP creation and, and lab creation, right, and being able to develop, you know, additional assets, that's another key result that we tend to focus on as a business as a whole. But, you know, as an individual, you know, as a person and what I look for for myself when I'm trying to track success, you know, I look at, are we are we creating development plans for our, our individual contributors within the organization? Are we making sure that everyone is talking about their career development and looking at what those next steps are and whether or not that they're, um, you know, putting together training plans for themselves that will both impact the business as well as their own Career development. The other, you know, piece is retention. Um, that's a key factor for me as a leader, making sure that I can retain talented individuals within the organization, making them feel valued, making them feel like they can continue to contribute. 
that's another key component that I make sure that we're tracking as a leadership team. And then there's, you know, there's obviously other components around, are we attaining our quota as a business, right? Are we making sure that we're getting our number right? Because we're in sales, so we are responsible for selling at the end of the day. And um, while as technologists, many of us don't like to talk about carrying a number, we do at the end of the day. And that, that, is, still, that is still a key component to our business. Um, but I, I'd say the people aspect of it for me as a manager and as a leader, they're the most important ones, right? Making sure that the people are getting what they need, that we're removing the roadblocks for them on a day-to-day -day basis are other more soft you know, results that I look at and, and are we able to continue to move forward? Thanks, Marjorie. Yeah, I think that was one thing that was very different for me when I transitioned from just being an individual contributor and an architect to um, being in the leadership team. Like your, your success criteria definitely changes and it becomes more of we and an organization and as a company, not so much like what am I doing, right? So I guess for me, um, to talk from more of an architect perspective. So I've been a customer success architect at VMware. Um, and basically that's a post-sales architect, kind of helping the customer adopt a different technology or uh, honestly troubleshoot some of the issues that come along with using a, pro a specific product in a way that was maybe not intended by the customer and stuff like that. Um, and I've been also like technical marketing architect as well and a solutions architect. So from that point as an individual contributor, um, I think like I at least measured my success from like two perspectives. So one, obviously from the business, right? That am I bringing everything that's valuable to the customers? Am I making sure that our customers are happy with the results of any engagement that I deliver, whether it's the workshop, is a presentation, um, is an architecture, um, you know, logical design, whatever it is, right? That just making sure they are happy. And I think for me, that was just one measure from the, at least a business perspective that was very important. I think the second um, for me was just a personal professional growth. So like Marjorie said, as a leader, it's really important for you to enable and care about like where your like direct reports are going in their career. So for me, like being an individual contributor, it was very important. I always had my own personal development goals. Um, and to continue learning the technology, right, or getting into new technology so that I'm not bored kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So I always had at least, I would say, one or two certifications that I would like to do to help kind of motivate myself to, um, to learn something different every year. Um, and then to try to, and then to also to try to get deeper into a technology that I um, I'm supposed to be an expert on for my customers, right? So whether like when I was an NSX architect for uh, for a while, you know, just getting deeper into NSX and knowing all of the release notes and thing issues um, ahead of time, like that was a that was a responsibility that you know I took on myself to make sure that I'm up to date with everything and I can answer questions for our customers. Um, and then of course having the certifications because I'm one of those people who likes checking things off. Um, so I get more motivated if I have something to say like, okay, I've done this. So in order for, to force myself to learn something new, that was kind of one way that I would do it. Um, so for you, if you're that kind of person, I think that definitely helps um, studying for a certification. So um, that was kind of, at least my perspective from solutions architect and I guess um, another question that like as panelists, we kind of came up in the beginning that we thought might be helpful for people to hear is 
um, oh my gosh, where is it? Oh, what were some of the challenges or fears that you had when you started this new role that you are in currently? Um, and how did you overcome those? So maybe we'll go backwards and start with Marjorie this time instead of picking on Bolian. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. I thought I was going to have uh, some time to get over the fear, fear factor that you just uh, instilled, but no, I, I think for me, um, so I'll talk about my current role, right? Because management, I mean, there are many, many fears over the year, but specifically this last role that I'm in here with, with you and, and the rest of the team, I, I'm, I wasn't a cloud expert, right? So for me, getting into the cloud space was something new and leading a team of superstars. I mean, if you all meet the team that is part of my organization, they're all super smart, superstars. They know so much about technology, about cloud, and leading an organization with so much brain power is extremely intimidating. Um, you know, you get on these conversations with them and they start talking about things that you're just like, wait, I need to Google that because <laughs> we just said so it's, it's a lot of having to, you know, prepare for who you're going to be talking to, especially if you're talking to a team member that wants to express, you know, stress or concern about something in the product area that you're not com comfortable with. Um, so for me, that was my biggest fear is just walking into conversations that I wasn't fully prepared for, and then not coming across as having the right skill set and not being able to help folks. I think that's always my fear is being as prepared as possible, because as a leader, it's not your job to know everything and I'm comfortable with that, but it is your job to know how to remove those roadblocks for your team. And if you don't understand the core of the problem that your team member is explaining to you, then you might not be able to help them. And it's extremely important that you at least understand the basics of what they're putting across in front of you so that you can you can help them with whatever the issues are. So I've learned a ton from, from the team, from Phoebe, from John, from the rest of the leadership team. And, and all the essays that I talk to on a regular basis, it's, it's, uh, it's always a humbling experience. Awesome. Thanks, Marjorie. Yeah, no, our team is like really smart sometimes. Actually, the other day, um, we were talking about something with the team in a, um, Asia Pacific region. And actually, one of them, well, he tried to make a joke, but he said, like, what is the OKR for this? And then I actually didn't know what it was. So I was like, sorry, what is this? And he's like, oh no, I just try to make a joke. And I'm like, oh, well, I, technically I should know this. So no, that I always feel like, yeah, I, I'm always learning something from everybody on this team. And no, that's definitely, definitely good that I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Boyan, I'll pass it off to you. Um, yeah, what, what, what were some of the challenges or fears that you had when you were starting your role as a product manager and how did you overcome them? Yeah, um, I, I can empathize with, uh, you know, what if I don't know the right answer? Everyone surrounding me is super smart. I think that, you know, uh, and it's, I think it's a good problem to have. I, I love learning from uh, the teams that I work with and also customers. And so um, definitely have that, you know, quote unquote fear every day, but I think it's a good one. Um, when I first got started as a product manager, I think, you know, coming from an engineering background, a lot of the times you you know, jump to troubleshooting mode immediately, uh, rather than, uh, you know, focusing on more of the discovery and understanding what is the bigger use case that the customer is trying to solve, rather than this one technical problem that, you know, you might be able to offer help, but you, or you know that your fellow engineer, uh, you know, other team members would be able to help just because you have built that rapport. If you were to make an internal transition within the organization, which is something that I did, 
from an engineer to a product manager. And so you kind of really have to shift gears in terms of, uh, you know, even though you're still working in the same company, or even if you were going to another company and you made a transition, you know, perhaps after getting an MBA, or maybe you went to some, uh, some sort of an academic uh, institution, or somehow you were able to find an opportunity that um, allows you to become a first-time product manager. I think that it's always um, fearful at the beginning in terms of, okay, what is my day-to-day responsibility? How am I going to be successful at it? And so starting with um, kind of the earlier question and how, how do I measure success in my day-to-day work or you know, whether it be a quarterly goal, I think that always having the customer in mind and you know, winning for them uh, and understanding what their needs are. And I think that kind of bringing that back to your team was something that I just, I wasn't necessarily aware of at the beginning. And, you know, kind of jumping straight to the troubleshooting mode or problem solving um, can sometimes be really helpful during that point. But maybe later on, you might have uh, talked to more customers and then collected more data points that allowed you to become smarter about some of the ways that you could implement a solution for. And so having that kind of different mindset, especially if you're coming from a developer background, I think that. Um, knowing that you're now in a different role and knowing that, yes, you might be able to solve something immediately, but um, always being more open-minded and flexible about, hey, you know, uh, you might have to ask more questions that the customers might not even know to bring up. And I think that, um, you know, it's your job to kind of, uh, you know, pick the customer's brain or even your internal team in terms of, hey, have we thought about this? Or did you know that there was this work around? And then it basically just opens up for more conversation and um, you know, knowledge sort of flow that you can have with the customers or you know, with the engineering and design team that you're working with. And um, always being open-minded about the fact that, hey, uh, you, know, you used to actually know the code base that you were working in. Now you've transitioned to being a product manager your, your job is not to know all the answers uh, on the spot when the customers are asking for it. Your job is to try and fully understand as much as possible in terms of what the customers are looking for, what their bigger business objectives are, and kind of reading that and being able to ask you know, smart questions to get to that answer. And then bringing that back to the team and having a very transparent conversation and being really open-minded and about the different ways that you can solve it. Because there's honestly so many different ways to get from point A to point B. And so being open-minded in terms of solution, I think is also really important. And I think that, you know, it's always a work in progress for me as well. Um, and, you know, there's always new tech coming up and uh, again, being really open-minded about them and um, having open conversations about how you can approach solution is always super helpful. Yeah, I think definitely being open-minded in tech technology, especially is very important and just to have a very open culture. Um, so I guess for me, um, I could talk about like two instances. So for sure, one, I echo like what Boyan and Marjorie said about you not knowing everything. Um, I think that was my biggest thing when I first joined VMware as, um, as an architect, because I also was joining a very senior team. So I was the youngest one and the lowest level like architect essentially on our team so and everyone's been doing this thing for like the last 15 years um like 15 20 years almost so i think definitely coming in and joining that team was very um yeah very i guess 
what do you call that? I can't even think of a word. Um, the word that Marjorie used earlier, uh, intimidating. There you go. <laughs> intimidating is the word I was looking for. And when I was joining the team, I think when I became a manager, um, I guess the biggest fear I had was that uh, one, being a, I was a new manager joining a team that's already well established with a lot of people. Um, so I didn't want me joining to disrupt anything that the team was doing or for anyone with um, to not want to work for me, right? Versus like working for John, who they used to work before, um, like I came along. So, uh, and on top of that, essentially I'm managing people mostly who are also older than me. So I think that was another fear that I had coming in. Like, because like, I know Marjorie has a story and I'm probably going to ask her to share this, but like, you know, you come in and um, like you look, I, I mean, I kind of look like I'm in college, you know, it doesn't really help the situation. And then I'm like managing people who are clearly probably definitely older than me. <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, if you're, let's say, been in the industry like 20, 30 years and you like see somebody who looks like they're in college come and say, hey, I'm your new manager. I just feel like it's one of those things you could either take it the right way or not and say like okay this is like not gonna work out just because you're young so that was definitely one of my fears even though I knew the team members were great in personality and I knew like Marjorie and John already developed a, a very solid and supportive inclusive community like I still felt that I think when I was coming in um, I'll say there's nothing honestly I've done to overcome the fear it just happened that when I have my one-on-ones with people um they were all so super nice. So they kind of overcame the fear for me, but I'm going to pass it to Marjorie to actually share her story when um, she first joined and she, like she first became a manager. Cause I really, I really enjoyed that story and gave me hope. <laughs> gave <you> hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so my, my first leadership role was when I was 28. So it was fairly young. And also if you, if y'all are familiar with, you know, kind of the infrastructure space. It is a more mature, older workforce um, of, of specific gender and ethnic race, of which I'm neither. So I was a young Muslim, Hispanic, female, um, you know, being put in a leadership role of, of a fairly senior team. And, and you know, for me, I was, I don't know, I guess I was always taught to just go with it and just deal with the blows as they come, right? And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily had the fear walking into it, but afterwards it kind of hit me. I had, you know, one of the guys who was actually my mentor when I first joined the team. This was not here at VMware. This was at a different company. And, and he was, you know, he was the guy that trained me from day one. He, you know, let me shadow him. He took me under his wing and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, one, when I finally took over the role, he's like, you know, it's like, Marjorie, you're, you're the age of my granddaughter. Um, I can't work for you. And, and I looked and it, it hit me like, oh yeah. Okay. Now I, you know, this whole, like being super young, I guess I was just oblivious to it, or I don't know, just naive, innocent. It hadn't hit me yet. The world that wasn't as cruel just yet. And, um, and, and, and he's like, it's just not going to work. I can't work for you. And, and, and I looked at him and I said, well, what can I do for you then? And he's like, I'm going to move into another team. And I said, that's fine. So, you know, I helped him move into another part of the organization. And for me, that moment, it, I, I tried really hard to not make it about me. And then I really 
you know, as, as I've aged, I've always looked back at that story. And, and I know very clearly that, that was not about me, not about what I could bring to the table. And, um, and I helped him at the end of the day to move into another part of the organization. And I think that's, that's always been something that I keep with me. If someone has an issue with who you are, how you identify your age, you know, whatever it may be about you that they don't like, that's their problem, not yours. And if you keep that in your mind, as you continue to grow and develop yourself in your career, you'll be a much happier person. Because if you're going to take everything personally, you're just going to be miserable. And, and at the end of the day, that's, that's how I took it. And, you know, I, I led that team for another you know, four years. Um, it was a, a consulting organization um, that I was a part of. And, you know, I love that organization. They, they all stayed with me. He was the only one that had that issue. So I was thankful that the rest of the crew was, was willing to work with me. Thanks, Marjorie. Thanks for sharing again, because I remember I shared my fear with you about this before I even joined the team. I think we had a call and I was like, hey, Marjorie, I don't know how this is going to work out. And I remember, OK, like that, that just made me feel better going in um, and joining the team. So I always love that story. Um, <laughs> cool. So I know we only have about like 10 minutes or so left. Um, if you guys have any questions, of course, I'm just like checking the chat as we go. Um, please let us know. But um, I guess and on this topic of us being a minority gender, in a sense, especially in technology, and maybe a lot of us, you know, we're maybe only five, six years into our careers, uh, maybe even less. Um, I know, Marjorie, you just shared one about like, you know, how do you kind of navigate the room or situation um, being a woman or, you know, just being young? <laughs> that could be another thing. I guess, Boyan, if you'd like to maybe any share anything or give any advice on that topic, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, I, I, I'm really grateful for opportunities like this where you know, us women can gather in one room and, and share our experiences just because you know, it, it, it happens a lot. And unfortunately, where I walk into a, a room with, um, you know, uh, talking about software architecture, you know, maybe building a roadmap uh, with some of the internal teams, engineering, and also with customers, um, you know, the folks that are representing sales and sales engineering and um, the customers themselves, uh, you know, I'm often sort of the only female uh, in the room. And I think that uh, in a way, you know, us being remote for a lot of the different parts of the world has kind of brought that even more to light because when you have a Zoom window with many different folks on the call, you can kind of see that you're sort of the only female um, and it really kind of brings that to light. And um, oftentimes you, when you have your video on, uh, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, am I, am I sort of the only female here on this call again? And you kind of get this fear of, you know, how, how will I be heard? You know, this is a room full of engineers. I'm supposed to represent the, you know, the product and talk about roadmap or talk about something really technical. And I think that um, a lot of the times what I, you know, try to do before the meeting is understanding that you are still the, the, the product expert uh, entering a room full of engineers, uh, you know, with customers and uh, you're representing the success of your product and, you know, they're eager to have you hear about their needs and their point pain points and, you know, you, you can ask questions uh, without sort of having that fear or bias and I think that, you know, I think I really enjoyed uh, some of the things that Marjorie was mentioning around, you know, 
you know, kind of telling yourself that this is, you know, something that is not in your control, like you kind of have to give yourself that kind of pep talk sometimes. And I think it definitely helps. Um, but I think uh, folks are a lot more open-minded than I personally expected them to. And, and a lot of the times, you know, coworkers and I, uh, you know, a lot of them are males and we have had open conversations around, you know, being a female and minority. And they're, you know, very much interested in how can I help you feel more included and things like that. And so um, I always try to seek for conversations like that, whether it be within the organization or outside the organization. And uh, Phoebe and I were chatting, you know, earlier uh, to talk about this event. And we said, this is amazing that we got to know each other, you know, even in the, in the same organization. We're all remote. We don't have time or opportunity to meet together. And I think kind of taking that to your advantage uh, is, is also really helpful because we can share at the very, you know, base or fundamental level very easily and kind of, you know, overcoming that uh, sort of barrier together, it actually makes us stronger together. And so um, I always try to turn it around and positively and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but um, today's Friday. So I think everything will turn out okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry for the corny joke there. <laughs> No, it is Friday. So no, I always appreciate any happy Friday, you know, messages and, um, and you know, going for the weekend. So I, I think I, def I definitely agree with Boyan on all of the things, right? So I think having the support is great. Like, I, it took me a while, to be honest, to find the product manager who is a woman um, who wanted to speak in this and could tell us about it. Because I was like thinking at all the product managers I know at VMware and they like all happen to be male. And I'm like, I really want a woman represented here today, like to show like, hey, this is a possibility, right? For us too, and it's not just for men in IT. So like, I really appreciate you joining today, by the way, um, just, just, yeah, just you being here. I think it's just great. Um, and so for me, yeah, the support I think is important. I think, um, as a, as a minority in in IT, uh, one thing, at least in the early days of my career, I was very afraid to speak out when something happened or something made me feel uncomfortable. And I think like just actually watching Marjorie in for the last like year, it just has been very encouraging uh, and motivating because like she's not afraid to tell anybody anything. Like if something happens and some she sees something that's wrong, right? So like. I know in like, for example, when I was starting off my career, I was in tech consulting and yes, I was out of college and yes, I was young, but I was a team lead for like 16 engineers just out of college. And um, I was like a right-hand person for my principal at the time, given that nobody was, nobody could do that just because they didn't have VMware experience. And I was helping a director trying to sell VMware projects. So I was in this kind of weird position where, yes, I was still young and yes, I didn't know as much, but I was still leading a team and I wasn't like the only kind of expert for VMware in the firm. So, but then why I say that is because like I would go in a meeting and obviously like I'd be the only person who looks like they're still in their twenties and I'm the only woman and I'm Asian. And then they always ask me like, Hey, like, can you take notes? And that was like, uh, that was just a very, very common thing where like, I'd never said anything um, really. Cause I'd, I'd, I'd be like, sure. I'd be happy to take notes. 
and contribute. So I'd be a little more passive aggressive now that I think back, right? <laughs> I'd be like, I, I take notes for you, but I'll also answer all of your VMware questions because that's technically what I'm here to do. Um, and like, I think after a while, it, it sort of got to me. I'm like, eh, that's not my job. <laughs> I'm not there to take notes. I'm supposed to be the technical person. So I told my uh, director about it and actually he was very supportive. And like he, he admitted that like he didn't even think about it before. Um, he just like said, oh yeah, thanks Phoebe for doing that too. <laughs> so it, when I told him, I think after that, there was a call where somebody's like, hey, can you take notes? And then he said, no, she's my architect. And like, she, he stood up for me and that meant a lot, but like, it took a long time for me to just tell him that, right? Cause it's just so uncomfortable to tell somebody. Um, so I think, Sometimes like, like right now I'm very lucky to have Marjorie and John, like, especially with John, like he's, he's very supportive and all of this and very like, almost, I would say overly aware, like he's always trying to like be better, make everyone feel comfortable. So it's just, I'm very lucky in that sense, but not everyone is because I've been in a position where I wasn't as lucky as now. Right. So I think just having the courage to say something, um, will help in the situation. And then you'll find that actually there are more people like Boyan said that is open and that is, you know, that that is supported. They just aren't aware. So you just have to let them know. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll pass it off to Marjorie. Um, if you had anything you'd like to add to this um, and encourage others like you've done for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it takes, um, it takes folks a while to, to find their voice and, you know, I encourage everyone to make sure that they constantly reflect on their day and what, you know, what is it that, what is the area where they could have used their voice for themselves or for others? Cause like, like Phoebe said, sometimes there is that unconscious bias and people just don't know. They like, sometimes I'll call people out and they're like, wow, I didn't realize I was doing that. And, and then they apologize and then they stop. Right. So I think it's important that we do carry that torch forward and, and make sure that we are calling it out. Cause you know, my, my philosophy is if it's not me, then who, right? Who's going to call people out? It, it can't, I can't assume that, you know, another individual in the room, because most of the time I am, like Phoebe mentioned, the only woman in the room, another individual in the room is going to call out bad behavior because maybe they don't even know that it's happening. So I think it's, it's important that we recognize that, that that torch sometimes does land in our hand. And I know that for some folks, it's a heavy one and, and they don't want to carry it forward. They're like, it's not my responsibility, which I get and I respect. Um, but for me personally, I, I do believe that it is my responsibility to, to speak up and to say something and, you know, test the waters, right? I think there's, everyone has different style. I'm from Jersey. So I use that as an excuse to be obnoxious and loud. <laughs> so people accept it. They're like, oh yeah, it's just the, you know, the Jersey, New Jersey obnoxious is coming out when, when I go a little crazy. So, you know, I, I use that and, and use that to your advantage, bring, bring your authentic self to the conversation, say, hey, this is, you know, this is not cool, or I didn't appreciate that. You could do it in private. I tend to do it in public because you know what, if one person doesn't know, maybe the whole room doesn't know. But I also recognize that I'm in a senior position and I can do that. And it's my position to do that. And quite frankly, if, if I'm in a senior level role, it, I have to do that so that everyone else recognizes it. But for folks that are just starting out, if you know, you want to make sure you're not limiting your career as well, you take the person aside, hey, by the way, that that probably wasn't the best approach or you probably could have said it differently. Um, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And if they didn't, then you know what? Now you know 
how to avoid this specific individual in the future and, and you, you continue to learn how to, again, leverage your voice in the future.